This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. Joining us is Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, and he joins us every Monday at this hour at 1210, and we appreciate the uh, same. Uh, Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you. So Guy uh, reported in the Wall Street Journal this morning, I'm sure you've seen it, investors see interest rate cuts coming soon, recession or not. True? Probably not. I know in that the stock market would love to see rates uh, dropping soon. And I think sometimes you actually have to listen to people. Uh, the Federal Reserve has said they are very unlikely to raise to lower rates quickly. Uh, Federal Reserve is confronting several problems, one of which is inflation has been more stubborn than they expected. It's still hanging above 3%. The target is 2 So it's 50% above their target. And over time, compounded, that makes a big difference. It's one of the reasons that when you survey consumers, you see an awful lot of negativity because consumers are looking at their grocery bills and the, just the cost of living and saying, you know, the, things are tough. We're, we're struggling now. So – there's not a lot of room for the Fed to lower rates. The other big challenge, and we, we've talked about it, is there has been nothing done to reduce the uh, deficit. The, the trend is the deficit's going to get bigger. Uh, it has to be financed. Interest cost is going to go up for the uh, government. So it's hard to see a case where the, the uh, Fed can lower rates early next year. Now, perhaps by the end of next year, but just, just not, not seeing it. There are those that <clears throat> that look to what's going on in the bond market as an indication, but that's not; they, those are not intrinsically related, are they? No, they aren't. I mean, look, the bond market got a little bit over its its uh, skis and got a little higher than probably the conditions warranted, and now at year end, as people are repositioning, you're seeing bond yields come down a bit. But the whole Treasury yield curve is still higher than it was January of this year. So any bond you bought in January, you actually lost money on this year because rates are higher than they were at the beginning of the year. And I know that the, uh, the optimism and the hope is we'll, we'll have a soft landing, the economy will boom, the Fed can reduce rates. And I, I wish that they would. I wish that they could. But it really – there's some challenging things that we haven't addressed. And, you know, the the cost of the uh, transition to uh, less carbon is very expensive, and it's beginning to get more expensive as, you know, people are trying to actually implement things. You know, it's one thing to design a program, but then when you actually put it out to bid and the costs come in, 
you know, 20, 30, 50 percent higher than you thought, you know, it becomes a real problem. So I, I know people want rates lower. I would like I'd, I'd love to see rates come down a bit, particularly for our mortgage people, because it's been a tough, tough year. And the, the home sale numbers that came out were lower than expected. And that's a direct reflection on higher cost. But there's some other big pushes that are going to make rates a little stickier than people want. Guy, let's uh, pivot to home sales. I know last week the National Association of Realtors were releasing their report. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. I was curious. A lot of folks expected that October home sales were likely to fall. Yeah, and the home sale number came in lower than expected, and the adjustment for the prior month was a, a negative adjustment. So when you actually look at title records versus reported sales, there were two adjustments that were negative. So we're now in about the 700,000 uh, unit area, and it is a, a negative number, and the trend has not been good. So. The trend is down right now, and it's lower than what the experts expected. And that's a direct result of the uh, higher interest rates, but it's also in some markets, not just ours, higher higher insurance reduces affordability. But the challenge is usually if, if old houses are too expensive, you can build a brand new one. Well, there are a lot of reasons that you can't build new ones inexpensively. You know, zoning problems are one issue, uh, permit delays are another, and the cost of materials and labor is a third. So we're, we're in a very difficult situation for the mortgage business right now. But the numbers that have come in are, are lower than expected, and the adjustment for last month is a negative adjustment. So where do we see this in first, second quarter of 2024? I think people will adjust to the um, reality of higher cost. Now, we're already beginning to see this with some of the big builders. Uh, the, the track builders that build a lot of houses are reducing the size of the houses. And, you know, they're doing things like eliminating dining rooms. You know, we're making the ha- we're adjusting the house to today's stance, today's way of living. It's a more modern approach to housing. Well, what it means is you're cutting out a room and reducing square footage. It's a good PR push, but we're going to see smaller houses. Uh, if they could get on smaller lots, they'd love to do that as well. A lot of zoning doesn't permit, doesn't permit smaller lots. So what, what's going to happen is first-time homebuyers are going to have to adjust to what we used to call a starter home. You know, back when you and I were younger, that wasn't unusual. You'd buy what you'd call your starter home. It was your first house. You didn't intend to live there forever, but it was what you could afford. So we're dialing back expectations because mortgage cost as a percent of income has gotten to the unsustainable part, and it's just higher than people can live with. I remember that happening back in, the, I guess, the early 80s, um... You know, we were seeing anywhere from 12, 13, 15 percent interest. Uh, exactly what you said that the new houses they didn't they didn't have a living room. It was kind of a den, breakfast area, breakfast area combination, little or no hallway, 
very much everything kind of works central off of that uh, entertainment area so that you can get more in a, in in less square footage. Yeah, well, and you'd also have, you know, two-bedroom, one-bath houses, which mm-hmm. you just don't see anymore, or three-bedroom, two-bath houses, and they'd, they'd call it a Jack and Jill bath shared between uh, two bedrooms. And I remember when we were kids, we had that. There were four of us, but, you know, the girls shared a bathroom and the boys shared a bathroom, and that was that's just the way it was. Uh, today, you know, the expectation is a bathroom to every bedroom, but that's – that's not going to be a reality with the uh, high housing cost and the high interest rates. So you'll definitely see a step back, probably not eliminating the, ba- the, the bathrooms, but making the room smaller and eliminating some rooms. Like you say, get, getting rid of the dining room and the others that, that they, can, they can cut back and reduce cost. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, when we look at the health of the economy, though, obviously this historically has always been a major generator um, uh, to the economy. Um, so when we go back to this first, second quarter impact, I, I got to imagine it's only going to get worse, not better. You say they're adjusting, but I just don't see it. Are they that nimble? Well, it's it's going to be tough to uh, to make that adjustment that quickly. One of the reasons that home building is such a leading indicator is you never spend more money than when you buy your first house because suddenly you need drapes and they're not inexpensive. Then suddenly you need a lawnmower. Then you need new appliances. Then you need new furniture because your old stuff doesn't fit, doesn't look good in the new house. So, there's never a time when a consumer will spend more than when they buy their first house, and that really drives the economy forward. And if, if you're not having home buying, that definitely would slow consumption, which is the big driver of the economy and could be a, uh, a real slowdown as we look at the first and second quarter of next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out. Black Friday, what did it reveal? Well, it was an interesting year. You know, back in the day, there used to be the uh, the items that you just had to get, you know, the Pokemon, the Hot Wheels, the <clears throat> Cabbage Patch doll. There was no one item that was a super hot item this year. Uh, sales were up a lot on the online channel. And, you know, that <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good indicator, but that's the headline that we're seeing is online sales are up, you know, 7 to 9%. But online sales are only 15% of the market. In-store sales were up 1% to 2%. And that really is intriguing because inflation's above 3 So that meant inflation adjusted. You're actually seeing smaller sales Black Friday. And I know uh, we talk about Black Friday a lot. A lot of people don't realize it, it doesn't come from uh, the day when retail stores start making money. That's that's an old wives' tale. It actually comes from the Philadelphia police when they scheduled the Army-Navy game in, the, in 1960, that weekend after Thanksgiving, and they had so much traffic downtown for people shopping and going to the football game. They said, this is a Black Friday. And that's, that caught on and has been uh, what, we, what we named that day after Thanksgiving from, from then on. But it was, it was an, a real mixed story. Retail sales in stores up just a tiny bit online sales up 
you know, seven to nine percent. Uh, there were several things that really collapsed. One was movie going. You know, it used to be a pretty big tradition that you'd have big releases at Thanksgiving. This was a disastrous Thanksgiving for movie going. And the movie going industry as a whole has, has been in a bit of a slump because if you look back, uh, the peak number of tickets sold was all the way back to 2002. So there's been a steady decline of tickets sold. This year, uh, essentially half of the tickets that were sold in 2002, 760,000 versus uh, 1.6 million. The box office is about 70% of what it was in its best year. So a real tough year for movies. Nothing, And, and I, you know, I sort of know that at home because we're talking at, after Thanksgiving dinner. You know, sometimes we'd go see a movie. It's like, is there anything out that we want to go see? And there, there was nothing we wanted to go see. So because movie part of the impact was the strike, though, right? Uh, for this yeah, year, the strike, anyway. but usually movies are in the hopper for a long time, and they're just waiting right. to come out. Yeah. But yeah, certainly no. There's not much new supply because of the writers' strike. But usually, you would have had an inventory of movies, and this year there just weren't any movies that anybody wanted to go see. Yeah, there were some odd uh, areas of high demand, though. One is uh, real retro, which is uh, vinyl. The the biggest lines that people could find in New Orleans were actually at Euclid Record Store, which opened at the uh, dignified hour of 10 a.m., selling classic vinyl and new re- new records uh, released by Prince and some other, <clears throat> some other artists. So it was an intriguing time when you think, what 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 is hot for um, Black Friday? Old school, classic yeah. uh, long play yeah. records. Interesting. Didn't see that one coming. When you just said said vinyl, I'm thinking vinyl. What is it? (laughs) It took a second to realize you're talking about records. (laughs) Exactly. You know, there weren't really the doorbuster specials, so there weren't people waiting in line to uh, go into stores. They certainly weren't going into the movie theaters. That That was a disaster. But if you wanted to get a vinyl record, you, you had to wait in line. And nice, I like the uh, dignified 10 a.m. opening time, too. It's like, forget that exactly. 5 a.m. There's no need to, no need to wake nah, up that early. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's be a little Guy, more chill do you, on this. Do, do, um, do you find that consumers are more alert to what a real true sale or deal is? <clears throat> They are, and it's interesting you mention that because there's a lot of comment on the uh, Internet this weekend that there weren't any real sales, that Target was just marketing their normal discounts as Black Friday sales and said, this is nothing special. You know, they're, they're not doing anything unusual. And when you look at the retailer's results, it's actually true. Uh, retail sales at a lot of the big retailers, 43 of the 50 big retailers, are reporting they expect small, lower sales, lower unit sales, but higher profits. So they're managing their inventory better. They're not having to give the big discounts. Uh, they're not having the stampede of people coming in at you know first light to buy something. And so the consumer is correct when they say it. it's just not. It's not that exciting. The deals are not there. 
And I think one of the problems is there's just not a, a product you had to get. I mean, I will never forget when my son was in kindergarten, kindergarten teacher asked the kids, okay, what do you want for Christmas? And they sent us the list. And Dale and I are looking at it. He wanted a transformer. And I asked one of my friends at work, it's like two days before Christmas, I said, what's a transformer? And he just <laughs> looked at me and said, you're sunk. I said, what do you mean I'm sunk? He said, that's a little robot doll that, you know, folds up and it's a toy that becomes a robot and different things, but they're sold out everywhere. You're never going to get one. I said, it's the only thing Greg has on his list. So we went everywhere and thank goodness for K and B with another one of those stores that ain't there no more. But right. uh, I was able to find a transformer at K and B, but <laughs> that, this that's, year, a, was that's a miracle. Like that. Oh, yeah, it was. It was an absolute Christmas miracle. Thank you, Katz and Bedstock. But uh, it reminds me of that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie when he was rushing around trying to find that whatever that toy was that was the essential toy he had to buy at Christmas. So if you what think do you about think? It, was it? But, but what do you think? What's your gut tell you that there's the disconnect? Because that has, you know, you went through your child rearing, you know, years and I did as well. And it was always something that was blowing off the charts. Um, it seems that, that, that there for the last several years and it may have been the pandemic. I don't know. But there's been a disconnect. It's not there anymore. They never let that happen before. Right. No. And I mean, you think about some of the dumb things that we bought, you know, cabbage patch <laughs> dolls, pet rocks. I mean, <laughs> beanie babies. They're going to be collectible. Just trust me. Yeah, they're collectible. Yeah. They're collecting dust in the yeah. closet. I've got I've got boxes of Beanie Babies still. Tonight. Yeah, it's an investment. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think the uh, the dispersion of media, where you don't have a concentrated audience in one place, is part of it. You know, there's so many things to buy, and I think the other thing is the instant gratification of buying online. People sort of see something and they buy it, but there just hasn't been an exciting one toy. You think this year that, you know, with the Barbie movie, maybe they would have had a special Barbie event, but uh, I was surprised Mattel didn't really capitalize on that with, you know, special Barbie Christmas stuff. So it is odd. It's not that they don't want to, but there's for sure not a special toy that anybody wanted. People are buying electronics, you know, iPads, watches, right, uh, jewelry, but, but there's not one hot item this year. Interesting. Very, you know, it's really interesting to see how that plays because it definitely affected the numbers. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Uh, text us uh, any question that you may have to the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line at 504-260-1870. Guy, a lot of folks uh, keep asking about I-bonds and uh, what your position is on that at the present time. I still like them. I, I like them because they're basically a set-it-and-forget-it investment. And the reason that they're attractive is because you're not paying any commission, there's no cost involved, you know you're protected from inflation, which, as I say, is currently running three, could run higher if we have uh, an expensive uh, transition to the uh, you know, green economy. And it's fully guaranteed by the uh, federal government. So I, I would I would say keep keep investing in that. It's it's just a good part of a diversified portfolio and something something that I would recommend. And right now, the guaranteed portion of the I bond is higher than it's been in a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, it's up in the uh, the mid four range right now. So you're looking at a good yield through. Uh, the next reset date and you know no one knows what's inflation is going to be so it's i think it's just a good hedge for people and the nice thing about an i-bond is you know we're all subject to our own human emotion but one thing about an i-bond is it's it's sort of out of sight out of mind so you're uninclined to spend it and i think that's an attractive element because you know people people that see their monthly statement tend to think okay i've got extra money and so I'm going to spend that right now. And it, it really is not a good strategy for the long run. You know, some people advise with your retirement statements is don't look at them. Yeah, So sure. as of I'm just <laughs> updating the uh, current rate, it's 5.27 right now. So that's a November I-bond I rate. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. No, for, so from absolutely. now until April, that's the rate you would get if you buy a new I-bond. Let's pivot again. Guy, I was reading in, in the Wall Street Journal, and I think a lot of people would be surprised by this. Amazon now outships FedEx and UPS. And uh, this race for volume uh, obviously <laughs> um, is over. <laughs> Amazon looks to be the winner. Yeah, Amazon really had a, a wonderful strategy, which is they started out as an online bookstore, never made any money for r- literally decades, but they kept building volume with the idea that eventually they would be able to sell everything. And then they realized it would be better if they were selling other people's products and marking them up highly, which is what they do. If you're an Amazon seller, essentially – all the profit goes to Amazon or most of the profit. And then they realized they were doing so many deliveries that they should handle the delivery. But the the delivery at the end is by people who contract with Amazon to run an Amazon delivery service. 
So you may know people that have, you know, six or eight Amazon trucks. They're independent contractors working for Amazon. And they, you see the trucks everywhere. I mean, you know, particularly over the holidays, as you drive around the city, you see the Amazon trucks. And what they did is they relied on the FedEx UPS backbone to do the long distance shipments. And then they do the last mile shipments. And then in particularly good markets, they'll handle the uh, the long haul too, but they're letting the uh, FedEx and UPS do the uh, heavy lifting and let them do the last mile part. And it's been an incredible strategy and it's worked very, very well. Uh, the other thing that is interesting about Amazon is they really make most of their money not selling stuff, but on Amazon web services, which is sort of the invisible uh, part of the business that most consumers don't see, but they're uh, their cloud computing service is a is mostly is the biggest part of their profit generation. Yeah, it's amazing how diverse companies are, and you really don't even recognize uh, the diversity of the company. Yeah, and I mean, look, hats off to them. They uh, they expanded when you know when it made sense, and I think saw the future, and. You know, Jeff Bezos did a good job navigating that transition to volume and then uh, did an interesting transition to a low-tax state with no uh, no estate tax just because he remembered uh, Florida from his youth. So you do have to give him credit for uh, anticipating things and planning well. But, yeah, their Amazon Web Service is fabulous. Their delivery service is working well. And because it's independent contractors, if there were ever a change – you know, they could walk away from that business. But right now, they, as you say, are the biggest shipper in America. Yeah. So, Guy, tell us about China cracking down on the pig fattening scheme. Yeah, this is one we've talked about before. And if you think back, how many times did you get emails that just said hi? Just blank email, hi, or how are you? Well, these are all the beginning of a scam, and the scam is pretty intricate. But what happens is criminals in Cambodia and Myanmar run online scam operations, and they recruit Chinese and other nationals with a promise of a good-paying job. Once you get to Myanmar and Cambodia, they take your passport away, you're locked in a sweatshop, and you have to produce 10 or 12 hours a day of scam emails. And what the scammers do is they try and develop a relationship. They develop a friendship with people online. They send out literally millions of these fake emails that say, hi, or how are you? And they target anyone who's lonely, anyone who has a romantic interest. Uh, One of the most tragic groups that they target are people that that have uh, relatives that are having fatal illnesses and they'll say, Oh, you know, I have, I have a friend that has the same illness or I have a wife that had the same illness and they'll develop a relationship. And once the relationship is developed and the reason they can do this and take so much time is the workers are literally slave laborers. They've been captured. They're imprisoned. They're in the basement of casinos in Myanmar and Cambodia. And he's like, what? If you Google these stories online, it's just breathtaking in, in what their complexity and scale. 
Well, these workers, once they get the confidence of the victim, whether it's a romance scam, a person that has an illness, they'll say, you know, I know because of your cancer, you could use some extra money. I've been investing in crypto and making a lot of money. Would you like me to show you how it works? Introduce a fake website, open up a fake account for you, get a little bit of money invested. They'll even let people take money out. And then once they get hooked, they'll start generating fake statements that look very real, showing that you're making a lot of money in crypto. And the pig slaughtering comes from the objective is to get all of the person's investable assets. And once that happens, they just cut the connection and done. All the money is stolen. And there are tragic stories. A lady that was an IT professional was suffering from uh, cancer and got wrapped up in one of these and, you know, said, look, I'm I'm going to generate money so my, my kids will have something when I'm gone. All of her resources were gone. And this has been going on for years. And China was basically turning a blind eye, even though a lot of their Chinese uh, citizens were basically imprisoned in Cambodia and Myanmar. But the four drug lords running it in Myanmar got a little bit out of control. They also were engaged in human trafficking and narcotics as well as gambling. And the Chinese realized that a lot of Chinese citizens were coming to Myanmar, either getting drug addicted or losing their own money gambling. And at that point, the Chinese stepped in and said, no, we're going to arrest these guys. We, 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 it's, it's one thing if you scam Westerners, that's perfectly fine with us. But if Chinese citizens are becoming drug addicted and gambling addicted, then it's a different matter. And so they stepped across the border in Myanmar and arrested the four heads of the uh, crime families and brought them back to China. Now, completely illegal under international law, but that that's never bothered China before. But at least some of the pig slaughtering scam will end. They haven't touched Cambodia yet, but they made a big move on Myanmar. But my gut tells me that this is going to be a, a, a temporary impact, right? I mean, there's going to be somebody else that's going to step in at some point in time. Well, it's like whack-a-mole. I mean, it it's almost the perfect crime because there's no extradition. The people that are actually doing the uh, the connection to the victims are victims themselves. So you effectively have slave labor that you're paying nothing and normally the deal is you'll, you'll work and do this, and if you do it for a year and you generate a certain amount of money, then we'll let you go. And they have been letting some people go, and that's part of how the stories get back to China is when the people leave and go back and tell their, tell their friends what happened. But it makes so much money at so little cost that any, any outlaw region, there are outlaw regions in Cambodia, outlaw regions in uh, Myanmar, I wouldn't be surprised to see this set up, you know, other places that are unstable and don't have a, a good government because it's a, a great way if you're a criminal to make money at very little cost. And imagine you're the FBI and you know this is going on, but we don't have uh, extradition from Myanmar. The government doesn't want to deal with it because the families that are running it are paying kickbacks to government officials. So you're exactly right. I think this will continue for quite a while until, you know, either the international community bands together and says, look, we're, we're stepping in and 
a country that allows this is going to be cut off from the rest of the world. There are those, Until though, that happens. I, I was, no, go, go I, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt, but there are those that are saying that crypto doesn't need really need any regulatory oversight. And you hear these horror stories over and over and over again, and they point to certain cases that come up where they're able to take, you know, people down, Sam Bankman free, you know, I mean, but the reality is there's so many that aren't caught and the impact is, is untold. It, it's, it's, it's almost not even um, something that they folks can get their finger on. Right. Well, one of the reasons I've always disliked crypto and have recommended against it is when crypto started, it started with several premises. One was the central banks will ultimately inflate away the value of currency. And that may or may not be true. If you're in Argentina, it's absolutely true. So the theory was crypto would be inflation proof. The other theory is the other part of crypto was you'll be able to transact 24 hours a day worldwide. That's Absolutely true. That works. The third part is you'll be able to transact anonymously. And that's the part that that got me nervous, because that means that criminals can transfer money anonymously 24 hours a day. And we know from the FBI and the CIA reports, essentially every terrorist group now is funded using uh, the cryptocurrency tether. And so you, you gather you gather cash in one country, send it using tether to the uh, the criminals and the terrorists, and you have a way to move money around the world that really was not possible until cryptocurrency originated. So th- there are a lot of downsides to it. I understand the the theory of being nervous about central banks inflating away the value, but having anonymous transfers is really dangerous and and we're seeing that play out because that's what the uh the pig slaughtering scandal was about get the money into crypto and and take it all the terrorist financing with crypto the money laundering with crypto and then you know the sam bankman freed just steal customers money just basically steal it and uh invest it in whatever you want and if it doesn't work then the customers lose and that's the way it goes absolutely we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot take order order in the court follow and listen to queens of the court on the free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back folks we're visiting with guy williams president gulf coast bank and trusts and guy uh keeping in line with scams the bogus three-year cruise that hoodwinked the travel industry i saw the headlines on that yeah this one's heartbreaking um so there's a company called Mirai Cruises, Life at Sea Cruise, and basically what they did is they put out press releases, and uh, because there's really not much uh, research in journalism, respected news organizations like CNN, Travel and Leisure, People, and MSN all reported 
basically the press release and said you, you'll be able to cruise for three years. Twenty nine thousand is the entry point, And the ship is going to depart from Istanbul October 1st and cruise around the world. It'll go to all the World Heritage Sites, 100 different tropical islands, you know, wonderful itinerary, beautiful, glossy pictures. And people signed up, sent their money, uh, shipped their uh, clothing and belongings in pods to Istanbul to be ready for the departure. And then the company said, well, wait, time out. We're not going to be able to make that date. It's going to be a little bit later. Uh, it's going to be November 11th. And then it was November 30th, and it was going to depart from Amsterdam. So now you've got to get from Istanbul to Amsterdam, not the easiest thing to do. And literally 10 days before the cruise date, they said, oops, not going to happen. Now, Newell, one of the things that was a key missing element in this whole problem and this whole cruise for three years was Mire didn't own a boat. Oh, Jesus. Now, think about this. You're, what, what's the essential thing if you're running a cruise that you absolutely have to have? A cruise ship. If you don't own a cruise ship, you can't do it. And what they revealed later is their plan was to buy an old Carnival cruise ship that was coming out of Carnival, and they were going to refit it in six weeks and do this around-the-world cruise. So the pictures they had shown in their brochures were completely bogus, totally Photoshopped, totally imaginary. The boat didn't exist. The pictures were unreal. The crew didn't exist. And... Unfortunately, the people that deposited their money are now being told, we're going to send it back to you in installments. Now, imagine how terrible this is. You had planned for the next three years of your life to be on this boat. So you either rented your house, sold your house, but you, de you definitely don't have a place to go back to because you had planned to be at sea for three years. You packed up your stuff. It's now in Istanbul. And they've said, we're going to send your money back in installments. Well, What's the likelihood that they didn't actually spend the money on promotion and salaries and benefits? And how likely are they to have all of your money to send back to you? So horrible holiday story. I feel so sorry for the people that thought this was their next three years. But you really have to research things. And you have to realize, even if you see it on CNN or People Book Magazine, you have to do a little research to see who the company behind it is, because unfortunately these poor people got hoodwinked, just like the travel writers did. And I can't imagine selling your no house, book. selling your house, oh, and yeah. now you're out. Tragic, <laughs> unbelievable. Sure, because you would, you thought you were going to be gone for three years. You know, you yeah. told all your friends, you had your bon, bon voyage party, and and now you've got to go back embarrassed. It's like, man. Unbelievable. I just feel for the As people, always, but I wish guy, the travel you, you, writers had done some research. Yeah, you find these things that uh, obviously get people to think about uh, their next purchase for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time, your insight. Have a great week. Oh, you too. Good to be with you.
Sky Williams, folks, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back. See what Scoot is coming your way. Is it a Manic Monday? We'll soon find out. Folks, Scoot is coming your way on Manic Monday. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, we covered a lot of territory today, and uh, we'll see you guys again in the morning. Stay tuned. Scoot's coming up next. Got a great lineup for you. This is Newell on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 